Last week, uh, we talked about this phrase, brothers and sisters, and um, how this is a verse that's written first for people, plural, first for a church. So the you here is like all y'all, and it's, it's for everybody together. And so God can speak to us individually through this, but first he speaks to all of us. Well, I appeal to you as a community Therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God. And then he says this, this phrase, present your body as a living sacrifice. Now, I was prepping this sermon on Tuesday and Wednesday. And honestly, Wednesday, this, this imagery didn't feel real good. Uh, this imagery of a living sacrifice, it felt, it felt odd. It felt out of place um, seeing... I don't remember ever seeing gallows made. Uh, they might have happened in my lifetime, but seeing the the noose in the in the yard of the Capitol building and seeing some of this, I've seen it as a historical thing. I've gone to Montgomery and the powerful museums over there, but it did something, and I think we have to talk to this idea of our body as a living sacrifice, first to our culture. And we have to acknowledge that um, our culture, our majority culture is currently choosing which bodies are for living and which bodies are for sacrifice. And we have to acknowledge that and we have to acknowledge that much of that comes out of the church and is a false teaching and is a white supremacy and superiority that is nowhere found in scripture. But it's found as our entire story as a nation, right? And sometimes the way that the church, including some days one church, has chosen to deal with that is to just separate ourselves from our story and just say, hey, we're all at the table. That's what counts. And that is what counts. And we need to all come together like we are right now, but we have to address what got us here. And we can't just be satisfied with we're around this table. This isn't the end, right? Reconciliation takes some truth, takes some confession, takes some honesty. And honesty in our culture means that our culture deems which lives are worth living and which ones are sacrificed. And I'm saying this because we all know the bravado that was on display as people went to the Capitol steps, right? And were kind of ushered right in. And then were taking pictures and posting videos. And there was, there was really no fear that their life would be ended at that moment, which just shows you um, how our culture has read this verse, but that is not what Paul is writing. And we need to acknowledge our culture, but we need to be centered on scripture, right? And acknowledge where they're different. And what Paul is writing here is that it is us, it is the church who offers ourselves as living sacrifice. You don't offer me and I don't offer you, but we collectively offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. But it matters whom we offer ourselves to as well. And that's part of what we saw on 
on Wednesday as well. And again, we've talked before, making villains of somebody else really doesn't help. Uh, We need to acknowledge that, like, though I wouldn't follow Trump onto the steps of the Capitol, some of those same tendencies are within me. And some of these same uh, ways to steer away from God's leading into something else are within me. And we need to acknowledge that that kind of thing is true and take a sober look within ourselves as individuals and then within us as a community, as a church, and then as the global church. Who are we offering ourselves to? The temptations that we face as a, as a nation and as a national church, the word national just feels gross, right? Anytime <laughs> we say it right now, I just said it and kind of vomited. Um, we offer ourselves to democracy or capitalism or evangelicalism, racial difference, difference or classism. Uh, there's a great book right now on caste and how the caste system in India and the caste system here are really pretty related. What are these idols that we have offered ourselves to? And I'm not saying that democracy is bad or capitalism is bad or evangelicalism is bad. They are just horrible gods. Horrible gods. It might work as a system or a structure to some extent, but definitely not our practice of it. Our practice of democracy is still outweighing some people over others. Capitalism is keeping money in some hands and out of others. They're horrible gods. And so we need to address what is And we need to acknowledge who we are living as a living sacrifice to. So let me ask it in a different way. What have we married to our faith? Or what have we held just outside of the reach of Jesus? So Jesus gets this 90% of me, but this other 10% lays just outside. So George, we've talked about this. I'm putting you on the spot. We have a Bible study that... We're going through Exodus that's right before this. And I think it was last week or the week before you talked about how uh, you've heard it said, like, uh, I'm saved, but I still got these hands or some. You can still get these hands. <laughs> I'm saved, but you can still get these hands. And that's, that's funny language, right? But a little bit what that's saying is like 95% of my body I have submitted to Jesus and these hands, if Jesus doesn't work, I've got this. Now, it's one thing if we're acknowledging, hey, I'm still broken and I'm letting God like, but I, I, I use my hands and I shouldn't. Or I'm, I'm trying, if we say it repentantly, that's one thing. But if we say it as like God gets some of me and not others, I think we all know that during the Crusades, they would baptize soldiers, but they would keep the sword hand out of the water. Because that hand was not for the Lord. The rest of their body was, but that hand was for violence. We might not do that with violence, but there might be some things that we've married into our faith or we hold outside of the reach of Jesus. And we need to look at that. We need to look at how living our sacrifice is supposed to be. So I think we all know Eugene Peterson wrote his own translation of the Bible, which like I, I feel really lazy 
because I haven't really even <laughs> tweeted. Uh, and sometimes it's helpful. And this is one of the points where I think it's really helpful. So Romans 12, 1 and 2, he says this. I mean, he's paraphrasing Paul. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, and you're walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. So this living sacrifice is the everything that you do throughout your day. Your ordinary, everyday life placing that before Jesus. I think sometimes we think of living sacrifices like I'm going to give God 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes at night, and I'm going to pray and I'm going to call and I'm going to serve, and we give him pockets. That's not what Paul is saying. Paul is saying whatever your life is, whatever your vocation is, whatever your hobbies are, your family structure, all of that, place that as your sacrifice, not a dead sacrifice, but a living sacrifice before Jesus. So in this series, we're looking at some of the patterns of the world, uh, the world offers and how Jesus offers something other. Last week, we looked at how we cancel one another, right? In this culture, we just, I don't like what you said for good reason, you were wrong. So instead of addressing that, I just cancel you and I'm done with you. But Jesus asks us to be brothers and sisters, which is a different set of work. This week, we're talking a little bit about how our culture asks us to be spread thin and be everywhere and be everything to everyone. And we think that's quoting Paul, and it's really kind of twisting what Paul said. But instead, what Jesus is inviting us to do is be reconciled within ourselves. How does Jesus inform everything within you? And how does Jesus permeate all of your identities? All of them. How is that reconciled within you? This last year, one of the hardest identities I've had is not a new one. It's the identity that I am and the world sees me as a white male. I can say I have Norwegian heritage as much as I want. Reality is I'm a white male. And most of the folks who storm the Capitol steps are white males. And part of my work right now as a living sacrifice is to say, God, that is, my, that is who you made me to be. I submit this identity that I am a white male to the fact that, Jesus, I am yours more than anything. And so how do I live out my faith even as a white male? Even as somebody who has all the power and privilege. And I know this sounds backwards because, well, the world lifts up people like me. But also it's people like me who are doing a lot of disgusting things. And so a lot of days I would rather not be a white male, but it is not being faithful to Jesus if I try to shed that identity or I don't let God reconcile that within me. So how do I live as a white male, as a straight white male, as a middle-class straight white male submitted to Christ? How does God reconcile that within me and then reconcile me with those around me. This is the work of offering your body and yourself as a living sacrifice. How do we 
vote reconciled to ourselves? And then when we leave the voting booth, how do we then reconcile to our neighbor or our friend who may have voted different? How do we deal with emotional and relational pain? How do we remain brothers and sisters? How do we do our jobs? How do we eat and exercise and work and rest? Not all separate, but all reconciled together. Does that make some sense? This is us living out uh, our, presenting our body as a living sacrifice. Paul goes on and says that this is holy and acceptable to God. And often I think this speaks to our desire to be right, right? If it's holy and acceptable, it has to be correct. It has to be right. And ultimately, that's what this, the patterns of this world are offering us a cheap version of. If I cancel, if, if George offends me, which never happens, but George offends me, and I cancel George, that's saying you are wrong and I am right. And I am more right because I'm separate from you. If I'm everywhere spread thin, then, then the odds are I'm, I'm right somewhere. But reality is I'm not right. I'm not correct. I'm broken. But because of Jesus, I am made righteous. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus, I'm made righteous. So when I come to George, I don't have to worry about who is correct Instead, we both submit ourselves to Christ and realize, oh, you need to correct me because this part of me is out of line, is not reconciled with who God is, or this part of me is keeping us from being reconciled to one another. So I don't have to worry about being right so the world can't say that I'm wrong. Christ has made me right. Christ has made me righteous. Christ has made me holy, not because I'm awesome, but because that his sacrifice is that great and that grand. And so instead, I can be broken and in process and righteous because of Christ. I can look within myself. We can look within our community and recognize that he's calling us to this reconciling work, not ignoring what's been done culturally, not ignoring what's been done within our community, but instead presenting all of that is part of the way that God reconciles us within ourselves. And Paul says, this is our spiritual act of worship. Now, this was healing for me singing together and having Matt enjoy. And I got the advantage because they're in my house, right? <laughs> so I get to be like right here. I'm here in George in stereo as he's bouncing. <laughs> but that's not actually our worship. Our song is not our worship. Our worship is this reconciling work where we present our, ourselves, our bodies, our lives as a living sacrifice. And so as we come together again as one, we will reconcile our bodies and our lives with our faith. What part of my life is not invaded by my faith in Jesus yet? Is there something that's held separate? Do I follow Christ until 12 at night and then I turn on some show that I know does not lead me closer to Jesus, but from 12 to 1, that's my time. Anything like that is a sword lifted out of the water. And then our worship is reconciling with one another. As I'm made whole in my faith, then we are made whole. We are made one. That's been yes. our name from the beginning. Yes. But I can't be one if I'm not reconciled within myself. Sorry. If I'm holding out identities or parts of my own life away from Christ or away from the church afraid that Jesus isn't powerful or good enough to transform me, to make me whole. 
And so as I read, read through and pray through this Romans 12, 1 for us, and then in the context of where we are, I'm just praying like, Lord, transform us, but different than this world has. Different than just offering us one generic path to all go, but for these, I don't know how many people are really here, but I see 16 screens. For these 16 screens and these 16 homes, will you, Lord, will you remake us? Give us the courage to offer ourselves to be reconciled within, reconciled together, to be made whole, to finally be made one. We're going to continue looking at, at this next week, and we'll go through Romans 12, 2 for the next two weeks, but I I feel like this is important for us to do right now. Where is it that God might be inviting you to be reconciled? Is there a part of your life that you've held out of reach of him, not imagining that he could redeem that as well? Is there an identity that you cover up, not sure that he can hide or or, uh, that he could heal? And as we're made whole as individuals, do we have courage to once again come together, not to just hide what's been, but to actually inherit what God has for us as one? Make some sense? This is the quietest you've ever been, one church. And that's a huge challenge. That's not small. Good. Yeah. These times are real, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been able to delude myself at different times to act like the times are not real. And honestly, our culture lets me do that particular. If there's somebody who gets to, it's, it's a few of us who have my hue. But it's huge. The times are huge. The stakes are huge. And I don't want us to be a church that just settles for like this small expression of faith where we're semi-close and we just settle for like, yeah, it's good enough to trust Jesus for eternity. No, it's good enough to trust Jesus for eternity, but today. And to reconcile today and to heal today and be made whole today. To actually experience what it's like to be one. That's all I want to pray for us. And then Kat, do you know a way to kind of divide us into groups? Okay, Kat's going to take over as soon as, as, soon as I pray. But um, let's do that. Jesus, I thank you that your power is as great today as it was at any point. As we studied in Exodus this morning in Bible study, your power rained down in plagues to show Pharaoh who you were. And Holy Spirit, now this power reigns within us. And there's ways that we still don't believe that you're good enough or powerful enough to reconcile our identity and make us who you've called us to be, but we know that you are. And so will you search us and know us? Will you bring us fully to you? Will you make this church one in a way that honors your life and your death and your resurrection? We know that this can only happen by your power. And we thank you that we have access. In your mighty name, amen. Amen.